1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Intentional Performers Podcast. I am Brian Levinson. Excited to have you with us for another great episode today. But before we get to today's guest, I wanted to let you know how you might be able to help us out here at the podcast. First of all, we recently launched a new company called Strong Skills. It's a coaching and training company that believes that mindset, introspection, communication, resilience, teamwork, empathy, things that are often referred to as soft skills, are actually at the very core of successful leadership. And performance. If you and/or your organization wants to check out what we're doing, go over to StrongSkills.co. Once again, that's StrongSkills.co. There is no M at the end of it. And check out what we're up to. We would be forever grateful if you saw what we're doing, and if you're interested, you can always reach out to us. Also, on that website, you will see a tab for my new book called Shift Your Mind. So if you go over to StrongSkills.co/slash/book. You will check out that. And the book really breaks down nine mental shifts to help you thrive in preparation and performance. It took me about four years. I thought it was three years, but it was actually four years to write the book. I'm extremely excited to share it with you. It's now available for pre-order anywhere that you get your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound. If you want to try to find it at your local bookstore, it should be available there for pre-order Also, if you are interested in buying a bulk order of at least 20 or more copies, we've created a special offer that includes a shout-out on this podcast, which we're going to get to in a minute here, uh, an hour-long Zoom call with myself to discuss the book, and a mention on social media. So we hope that the book can help you and your team and your friends or your book club thrive. Uh, It's really what this is all about for me with the podcast and with the book as well. And we mentioned that we're going to be shouting out some people who are supporting the book. So here we go. There's three people that we're going to shout out quickly, and then we're going to get to today's guest. So Mike Cahill is a friend of mine from college. He lives in London, and he's doing awesome things overseas. He bought the book for his friends and is going to host a dinner party where they're going to get to read the book and and listen to me as well. So thanks to Mike for the support. American University Women's Basketball. We've had on their head coach, Megan Jebbia, on the podcast. It's a great listen if you want to learn about culture, leadership, and her journey. She bought it for her team, so I'll be doing a a talk for them this fall. And lastly is Tim Ogden, who has been a big supporter of the podcast. He actually introduced me to David Cuthbert, who is a former guest and was just an amazing listen. So check out David's podcast. But Tim is involved with Blue Ivy Partners, which prides themselves on hunting for new opportunities for their product partners like GitLab, Anchor, and Anno. Uh, In August, they earned two prime wins with the Air Force for software modernization projects. For platform one, so they're doing all kinds of really cool stuff. You can follow them on Twitter at Blue Ivy Partners, and if you want to connect with Tim, he's also on LinkedIn. Once again, his name is Tim Ogden. Just a big, big fan of Tim's and appreciate the support and that he went out and bought the books for for his team and his people as well. So we will continue to shout out people each week leading up to the book. It comes out October sixth. Once again, thank you all for your support. And now to today's guest. Josh Pastner is just a really thoughtful guy, and he actually endorsed the book, which I'm forever grateful for. And you're going to love this conversation. Even before we started recording, Josh started asking me a bunch of questions. I think he asked me questions for about 30 minutes before we turned on the mics and I got to flip the script and ask him questions. But Josh has really had an impressive basketball coaching career, and he's still young. He's only 42 years old, and it's pretty amazing to see what he's already done at such a young age. He's currently the head men's basketball coach at Georgia Tech. And in 2017, he was the ACC coach of the year. Prior to being named the head coach at Georgia Tech, he was the head coach at University of Memphis at a very young age. And before that, he was an assistant at Memphis and also at Arizona, which is where he played his college basketball. And I could go into Josh's accolades as far as being the youngest this, the youngest that, and, and all the great stuff he's done in coaching. But I think you're just going to find him to be very thoughtful and very strategic and insightful as far as how he thinks about culture and learning and growing and developing. So without further ado, I'm so excited to present to you coach Josh Pastner. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We just chatted for like 30 minutes and I felt like we could have kept going, but we have to record the podcast so that people can actually learn from this conversation, which is the whole idea. So excited to dive into some details with you and learn about you. I've enjoyed following your career up until now and excited to learn about how you got here and maybe learn some stuff about you that I don't know. And when I was researching you and and sort of learning about your journey, it was very clear that basketball played a role early in your childhood. So I'd love to just go there and and understand why basketball, how did you get into it? um, And why were you so interested in it from a young age?
0: Well, I appreciate you having me on Brian. And, and, and uh, to your point of your kind our conversation prior to this, just getting to know you um, really incredible story by you and your success and your background. So um, anyone that's watching this, I I, I, I highly recommend to uh, um, find out more about about Brian on, on on how he got to where he's at. A really incredible story. Um, but 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 to regarding my background with basketball, just a couple things. I can remember vividly in fifth grade. I remember I was watching the Lakers and Celtics on one of the national networks. And I was watching it, and I remember telling my dad at that time, I said, Dad, I want to stay in the game of basketball. Man, look, I I love sports, but I remember in fifth grade I was watching that, and I told my father I want to stay in the game of basketball um, my whole life. And I remember, for whatever reason that time, I said, man, of course, look, who doesn't want to play in the NBA? And my my dream was to one day to play in the NBA. But I really knew if I could. I said to, I said to my dad, if I can't play in the NBA, I thought the next best thing to playing was coaching, and I really put all my energies into coaching. Now, did I not focus everything on and, and work my tail off to try to have an opportunity to 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 play in the NBA and and be the best player I could be? Absolutely. But what I had done from that point all the way you know, until I got my first opportunity was to put a lot of energy focused time, you know, thinking on, 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 on in preparation of becoming um, um, a, a, a coach. Hey Josh, and,
1: Josh, what was yeah. da, What was dad's reaction or response to that?
0: Well, you know, my dad, um, he was a sports guy growing up. He was actually the ball boy for the 76ers. And back then when I say ball boy, it's not like the little ball boy, like you see right now, back then in the NBA, it was like a team manager in a sense. Um, and he was really close with Wilt Chamberlain. And um, so he was with the 76ers, and he would have some great stories about the 76ers, Wilt Chamberlain being in the huddles, um, uh, when they would play the Boston Celtics. And his, his classmates would always – he would always tell me that his classmates would always see him on the weekend games when they would, you know, play. Because back then when, when – the, the opposing fans would throw eggs on the floor. That's, you know, they would just back in the, that's what they would do. And he'd be there sweeping the eggs and they would see him. And, you know, so, but he became really close with Will Chamberlain. And uh, those two were really, really close, believe it or not. For whatever reason, Wilt trusted my dad. And of course, my dad was younger, way younger at the time. Um, and then what actually my dad's hair was really long. And Dr. Jack Ramsey, when he was a coach, came in and told my dad, I need you to cut your hair. And he says, "I'm not cutting it." And he ended up, you know, moving on. So um, he moved on. But uh, my dad loved sports. He was he was around sports his whole life. Um, my 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 his father, uh, my grandfather, um, had only missed two home games of the Eagles. He was a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. And in fact, the Eagles have a seat named after him in the seat in the stadium because he actually died at the stadium in a game. He's only missed two games. And both were due to due to uh, wars, you know, in in in, uh, in World War Two and things like that. So um, he uh, um, he had that was the only two games he had missed. But he he they had, so they put a thing, and he actually died in his seat at a game, believe it or not. But but my so my dad's was around sports, and so when I when I was when I was able to told my dad that my dad had started and my best friend's my father. And, you know, just like you and I were talking offline, you know, your relationship with your father, um, you know, I was very fortunate that I had, a, you know, two great parents, you know, I mean, I was, I was very blessed to have that. But my dad, we, we, he started a summer basketball team, and he called it the Houston Hoops. Um, and, and it still goes on today. But what it did is it allowed me to get to to be around basketball. He knew what I my passion for it. Initially, he he kind of he wanted to do it because he thought it'd be a great continuing bond between a father son in the summer. You're hanging with you know you're coaching your son, but it took off to where um, uh, where eventually it got me to a point where I was actually able to coach the team at it when I got a little bit older.
1: How how well, old were you?
0: Well, I start so what so I was when I was 13, I remember when I was 13 years old, you know, we would go to these different events, like the national championships. They, back then they called the AU national championships. But, you know, at that age, when you're 12, 13, what does everyone want to do? They all want to go to the, when when you're not playing the game, they want to go to the ball. They want to go to the movie theaters. You know, they, they, they just want to go do it. I never, I just wanted to stay in the gym all day, every day. And when I actually started during that time, I started a Josh Passner scouting service that I would watch all 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, and then 14-year-olds, and send these reports out all over the country about all, and the, about all these great players. And, I mean, you know, obviously at that time, um, uh, you know, in the early 90s and, and, and mid-90s and late, late 80s, early 90s, mid, you know, all these players, that, you know, a lot of them have gone on and played in the NBA. But at that time, they were 12-years-old, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds. And here I'm writing reports, sending it out. Actually, college coaches would call my father asking about ordering the service. And my dad had to tell him, he's 13, <laughs> he's just doing this for, for the fun of it. And so we, I, my, my scouting service was called Josh Pastor Scouting Service. And so that was around 12, 13. When I got to about 16, 17, I actually started being part, co- you know, even though I was a player, I was sort of kind of the coach and player type deal. And then when I became 18, right after my senior, I I coached a team full time. And it was an incredible experience, Brian, because I was coaching guys my age. Um, I was doing, you know, I tell all people, like in that world, you're doing the travel arrangements. I was doing the recruiting, plus I'm doing the substitutions. You're getting, you know, after a game, we got to go to the, you know, the to you're going to a fast food restaurant to go get a quick bite to eat, because you got another game, you know, two or three hours later um you're just you're, you're 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 in charge of everything and it was an incredible i was calling all the different airlines trying to get deals for like group fares getting deals from the hotels uh deals from the car rental spots i mean it was incredible and so i loved and i remember talking to the parents of the kids and i'm I, you know i'm 17 18 then then she get to be 19 and i did it for both boys and girls cuz i had a sister that i coached too and so it was an incredible experience um uh my dad had always said he felt that that you know he knew my passion you know and I could you know when you and I were talking prior I could feel your passion coming through the computer through the podcast I anything in life when you feel that passion my dad felt I had that passion so he really turned things over to me and he always felt it was an opportunity to 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 really uh, bring out the passion that I had and uh, it was an incredible
1: experience Josh, you were also a good basketball player, though. And so I'm curious, were there any coaches or any basketball people that were saying, hey, Josh, man, just focus on basketball. Stop all this other nonsense. Get in the gym and and just work on your game and take care of your grades and you're going to play at a high level? What what were you hearing?
0: You know what was interesting? um, And I was thankful. I had a great high school coach in in, in Coach Huseman um, at Kingwood High School. Um, And he, he actually gave me the keys to the gym I, I, I was a type of guy that my first dance I ever went to was my, my my prom, and this is a true story. I was always, like my whole theory was, man, I wanted to be in the gym every single, every, because I always felt that people, other people, whether at the dance, I'll be in the gym shooting baskets, working on my game. So if we ever met on the court, I would maybe have an advantage for that one does that come from yeah, does it, that
1: come from dad mom where does that drive you know what, or work yeah from?
0: you know what one of my I, I we have three big core principles with our program at georgia tech we talk about uh, motor i'm a big believer in motor like i just 100 percent effort 100 percent of the time um I'm, I'm a really big believer in motor you know you use a term like a pep in your step and you know i'm just really just you know you wake up you ever you know we talked about you know you ever seen the movie uh uh, with Jerry Maguire and, and, and that one agent says, when you wake up um, and you clap your hands and ready to start the day, that's kind of, that's me, if that makes sense. you know, Do you just, think
1: that's, that's wired or is that taught? Is that You know what? Great
0: taught. question. Um, I, I think that's a little bit wired and, and because there's three things in our principles, we talk about motor, we talk about discipline, knowing your job and doing your job. I think those are big things. And the third thing we talk about drive or being driven. I really believe uh, Brian, and you'll appreciate this because you know some of the. To, I think to be great at something in your life, you've got to be self-motivated. You have to be internally driven, um, and 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 you've and that's where anyone's got to find their passion of what they want to do. Now, obviously, not everyone's gonna. There's things in life that happens where you've you've got to take a detour, but you're still going to be driven because you want to be the best at that particular situation. But I'm really, you know, everyone talks about motivating, motivating, motivating. I really look at, yes, that's part of a coach's job and motivation is important. But I think that if somebody's not self-motivated, you can motivate them or her, him or her. But it's almost like going to a hospital with a, with a you know, the, in your heart, in your heart goes flatline and you shock your heart. Yeah, it gets going. And then after, you know, and then if it goes down again, same thing. It, eventually it wears itself out. It doesn't work anymore. It's the same thing in motivation. Like, Brian, I can get you in my locker room. I can pump you up and... And you'll go play hard for two days, but then the third day you're going to go back to. It's sort of like what the Navy SEALs have said: you 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 rest on what you do on your training, you know. I mean, what, how you've trained, and so if you're not self-driven and that I want to be so great, you know, the motive, you can motivate, but eventually the, you're going to. It, it takes that drive inside, and and so taught or learned, I, I I'm I don't know. I just know that. I find the ones who are just who have that innate ability to be so driven at whatever they want to do and, it, and, and whether it's their passion or it's something else, they just find a way to be very very successful
1: I want to pull on the 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 three principles before I do I, I'll just share this. I had on a a podcast guest a little while back his name's Cal Fussman, and Cal's a great writer and orator, uh, and just you would love him high motor high energy guy and He comes on the podcast and we did it in person here in Los Angeles. And he's like, Brian Levinson, motivational speaker. And I just cringed and I appreciated his energy, but I was like, oh, he's like, what? And I go, I don't really like that term, motivational speaker. He's like, well, why not? I go, because I don't really think I'm going to motivate somebody. And he said something to me that's really stuck with me, hence why I'm telling the story. He said, what about inspiration? And I go, okay. Well, I can get behind that. Like that sounds better to me because I do think we all need inspiration that, in this right, life, yeah. right? Absolutely. Like either to be able to see Walt Chamberlain as a little kid and be like, "Oh, that's what a pro basketball player looks like," or to be inspired by the Philadelphia Eagles winning a Super Bowl. Which, right. growing up in Washington D.C., we don't really right. talk about. <laughs> um, but like, we need or or watching an, you know somebody complete an Ironman or. Um, somebody doing incredible acts like inspiration actually is for the soul, but I agree with you on motivation and there's a great book drive by Daniel Pink. I don't know if you've read it, but it talks about how do you get to that internal motivation and intrinsic motivation is what they call it in and, psychology. And, and,
0: and Brian, you're exactly right. Inspiration. I mean, I mean, there, there's things that can, you know, cause you hear stories of people who've overcome an incredible amount of odds or obstacles or that were inspired by something, you know, they've been told no 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 or they've been every obstacle or roadblock has thrown in their way but they found it because they've been inspired by something which then inspires other people and so i think that's a great point i think there's a difference between motivating and inspiring and i think inspiring can last motivating i think eventually wears off because eventually the person's got to go you know kind of go get it done on a, on his or her own you know finding that way to want to go to make it work and so it's sort of like you know, it's very similar. Like if you had a trainer to work yourself out for, like for exercise or whatever. Um, you know, you know how it is. That first week, and you're you're, you're gung ho, and then after that first week, the alarm hits, and you're like, ah, just. But that's where you got to just get up, and you got to find a way, and you've got to keep moving, and and that's, that's where the that discipline drives.
1: And then, the, and you have the discipline to do is, what you exactly. what you said you were going to do. All right, let's go into these. though. drive yes, 13, 15, eight-year-old you is driven to become a coach. Okay, I get that. And we're going to get into playing as well. What's underneath it? Like what is actually driving the desire to coach? And is it different today than it was back then? Um, I'm just curious to unpack that with you a little bit.
0: Yeah, you know what? My, my it's, it's, I have the same, you know, I, 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 here's what I've grown better now in understanding about being more efficient. So for example, like I like I tell you, when when, um, when I was in high school, I was so driven to, I, you know, I wanted, to, I, I never wanted to ever look back and say, man, I didn't do everything I possibly could to be the best player that I could be. I So th- that's why I didn't go to dances. Like people ask me, hey, aren't you going to, I, no, because I got to be in the gym on that Friday night. I got to be in the gym on that Saturday night. I, I was just, I, I never wanted to not uh, Think that I put every single ounce of energy and effort to be the very, very best I could be, and 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 it's almost like and then when I get older, you know, I have learned better about being more efficient. Just like you have kids, you know, you, you, you 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 can be more efficient in your work, whereas you can still have the same drive, but recognizing that okay, this is also important, and I can have better balance. I think as I've gotten Older, I've, I've understood balance better. Um, and it's the same thing in like in, in college. I, I graduated from the University of Arizona in two and a half years. Um, and, and I got my master's in one year, and it was just because I was so driven to say, I want to get this done, I want to get this done, I want to get this done. And I look back again, same thing I, I, Friday, Saturday nights, you know, when people are hanging, I didn't do any because I was so driven to get, I didn't, you know, I didn't want anyone to move past. I was just, and that's how my, my mind was wired. So I think through time, I've improved on understanding balance. I'm being more efficient. And, um, and so underneath that is, is something that, you know, I I have it. I, I, I still get like this today, Brian, where I feel like, and and this is really during, especially like during the COVID-19 while we're, while we're quarantined or at home, there's many times where I'm like, I feel like frustrated. Cause I'm, am I doing enough? Am I working hard enough? Like I've got to do something. Like is somebody else, uh, there's a competition out beating me and I've got to be better. And like, I'm it, like, is it okay that I'm sitting at home for a few hours? You know what I'm saying? And so this actually has actually been good for me to test my patience and to understand that, Hey, Hey Josh, it's okay. Like it's okay to be at home for, for 30 minutes. It's okay to be at home for two and, 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 and using the word Brian, and I've learned this: being present. Because there was many times where I was because of I'm just I'm wired and I'm at home physically, but I'm not there because I'm thinking, man, I got to make this call, I got to do this, I got to do that. What I got to do first thing in the morning? And then all of a sudden, you, you know, and you, you said it before we were off, you know, offline, just about you know be, everything being in, in, in present. And and that's that is something that's. If there's any silver lining of the, of the quarantine, it's forced you to sort of be in present because there's just things you can't do. You just can't do. And it's above coaching, if that makes sense, because the people making decisions, it's, it's way above my head. And, and, and that has been an interesting thing for me to, 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 to grasp.
1: I think, you're first of all, we're similar and we're very different. Uh, as I told you, sort of my college experience, very different than your college experience. Present and presence are very similar words. And in order to have a great presence, you have to be present. And it's interesting because during our time together, you're super present. And I would imagine when you're recruiting, you're able to give families, you know, mom, dad, the kid, your presence. So it's clear that you have the capacity to be present. But it sounds like for a long time you were so focused on becoming, growing, developing, get, get, go, go, go. And like, I just want to get to wherever success is that maybe you missed opportunities to be present. And I hear it, I mean, Urban Meyer was legendary about this at Florida when he wins the national championship and he's getting his trophy and he's looking out at his kids and he's like, Why am I here right now? I should be on the road recruiting. And he doesn't even remember what his kids looked like when they won the national championship. And he's one of the reasons he stepped away and and then when he wanted Ohio State, he talks about being able to see his kids and really notice, like what it felt like. Um, so it's interesting as you're talking about your journey, and I, I just want to acknowledge like what you did in the past also got you to somewhere. Yep. So it's not that it was bad. Like you were a head coach at a big time school at a very young age, like you know graduating two and a half years and getting them math. Like those are accomplishments. So I love actually the word instead of balance. I love the word of integrated. Um, like the idea that if I'm present with my kids, then I can be present for my other kids when I'm in the gym with them. Right. Right. If I'm present for my wife, then I can be present for my assistant coaches. Just before we started recording, I had you turn on the do not disturb button, uh, for this recording, because that's like a little simple tool that can allow you to be more present as we're here. And so I I just think like having the drive, the motor, all those things, also we shouldn't just shove them to the side because that's part of the reason you're in the position you're in. So it's appreciating that and understanding, all right, but how do I integrate these together and add this other piece to the puzzle?
0: You're, you're exactly right. And, and, you know, and, and I, 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 even in, even in recruiting calls, even in um, um, even when I was playing, I always felt, you know, to your point, I was, I was, I felt at the time I was present of, of being in the moment I, I needed to continue to do better in my family because even with my, I would be thinking, I you know, something else about my job. And because we, I'd go in the recruiting home, and I would be hearing the the, the mother, the father, the grandmother, the, the 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 young man speaking, and I would be I'm, I'm I believe in listening and being attentive. But it would be interesting. I would get to my house with my own you know children in a sense, and my wife, and I'd be thinking six other things while they're telling me. And because you sometimes. You know what's and I and I say this, Brian. You know, you thing when you get frustrations in life, things happen, and it gets built up when you, you know, and things come out sideways all the time. And when does it usually come out sideways to the people that you love the most, because they're the most closest to you? And and it's it's very important to like I, I've learned about taking a deep breath and exhaling in a sense, just to let things go. Um, Um, not trying to, you know, uh, being present even with your own family, but um, things come out sideways when there's frustrations and things come out sideways usually to, to sometimes that, you know, you come home and your daughter's running to you and you're on the phone or she says something and they yell at your daughter when you're not mad at, you're mad at something else that happened during the day and you just took it out of time. And to your point, what you said about Urban Meyer, Billy Donovan said the same exact thing Mm -hmm. that, that you know he and I've heard him speak about this. He said that you know he won championships two, ch- and he's like, okay, like it, great, fun, exciting it's a it's a great accomplishment, but you know a couple weeks later you're just you go I mean it's, it's not like there's some pinnacle peak and like you're gonna be if that makes sense, you know what I mean and and um so you look I heard Urban Meyer say that I heard Billy Donovan say that and I you, my dad is reminding me about what Billy Donovan, who's now the coach at the Oklahoma City Thunder, because look, Brian, everyone in you know, you want to win. I mean, there, that's why there's a scoreboard. Who doesn't want to win? You want to win a championship. Everybody, if you're a CEO and you're a line of work, everyone wants to have an opportunity to be successful, win and et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of times when you get to that peak, it's, it's not maybe as what everyone thought it would be, if that made a sense. It doesn't validate in a sense. So it's just an interesting point that you made on that.
1: Walk me through what you do to remain disciplined. So you 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 talk about disciplined principle. I'm hearing discipline. Hey, I, I I'm I'm hearing. I'd wake up at X o'clock in the morning and go get shots up before school started. Uh, then I'm coaching after. Like, so so I'm hearing it. But give me more some some more like examples of how you leverage discipline in your life.
0: You know, um, um, discipline is something that I think, you know, uh, is is really important to being, I really think everybody wants discipline, um, whether it's your own self internally, um, or people that you coach or around, everyone wants structure and discipline. I mean, I I, I think the majority, maybe not everyone, no you know, but the majority of people thrive and there's some structure or discipline, they want discipline, they want... Clarity and and, and clear instructions, but even for your own self, and I'll give an example. You know, I, you know, my outlet for me is exercise, and um, I know that I'm not as an effective coach if I do not exercise prior to stepping onto the practice floor. I'm not as good of a coach. A little thing can bother me, and I'm and I get mad at a player, for example, that I shouldn't be getting mad at because something else that I mentioned before gets built up. My best way to re- because I'm a high energy guy like yourself, and and a, and a you're a go getter and you got a great pep in your step. I, I'm, I've built up a lot of energy, so I have realized for myself for discipline. A little thing is I've got to exercise, and um, I'm a i am I think clear. I have more clarity. I'm a better basketball coach. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father, but I also know you get busy during the day and it's easy to say, okay, I'll just go work out over here at 12 or one o'clock. But you know, once you get to that point, it all of a sudden becomes, you know, you're just, you're tied up, you're busy. And then all of a sudden you, you, it, it, you don't get there. So part of the thing is I have tried um, uh, to always wake up really early to go to the gym to work out.
1: What that time Josh?
0: Well, you know, when we're not in a normal way prior to, you know, with COVID, I didn't have to, you know, it's learned me, I've I've been able to sleep in a little bit longer. But prior to COVID-19, when it was a normal routine, um, I was able to, I was getting in there sometimes 5, sometimes 5.30, sometimes 4.15, sometimes 4.30, whatever it may be. And you know what's interesting? When I exercise, again, you know, I say this, if you ever watch me, I, I, I go such an intense level. Because like, like if I feel like I walked for 30 minutes, I would just, I have to be so intense on the workouts, even like on the stair climber, the treadmill, like I got to do these high inclines and just wearing myself out for me to feel like I've let energy go. And Are
1: are you perfectionistic?
0: Um, I'm a big believer in checking, rechecking and checking again on, on anything like, like one like for someone to have a wrong spelling on a name, it, I, it's I. It, I'll I'll triple check sometimes just to make sure before something of 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 a of a person's name that I just get the right spelling. You know, I think when, that goes a long way.
1: When does that get in the way?
0: That gets in the way because it becomes um, you. You know what it gets in the way is two things, at least one in my profession where you're thinking, OK, did I cover this? Did I, I didn't say this. Did I covered that. Gosh darn it. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. And you're, you just start you're be, in your mind, you're thinking a million things that, you know, and, and, and in basketball, it's really not like that because it's such a free flowing energy. You know, it's you know, we're in football. The, the, the play's done, you get a reset, you know, you got what you got to call the play, etc. Cetera, et cetera, Basketball, man, is all about free flowing energy. It's like being an artist. Like in basketball is like being, if you were a musician and I, and, and Brian, if you were a musician and I try to say, okay, Brian, you can only, you can only say these three words, you got two minutes to say this and you can only use that instrument. What I've done is I've taken away your creativity. Basketball is so much about creativity and so much of it is life. And you're just kind of the instinct of stuff. And so I've had a lot as a coach, as a head coach, you're always thinking preparation, 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 which is obviously so important, but in basketball, you've also got to let the creativity and the instinct play. So that's, that's part of that. I would say the second thing is sometimes, you know, you, you, you can, for example, Brian, you know, you know, well I, you know, if I, you and I emailed, well, I know you're B R I A N. Well, if I was maybe sending you a text, I know that you're a Brian, and I was going to say, Brian, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I did. I just OK, I need to go. I need to pull over. I need to make sure I got to go back to my email. Let me make sure it's you know, I might. Have, did I, I have it on my phone B-R-I-A-N, but I need to make sure it's not B-R-Y-A-N. You know what I mean? I just want to make sure. And I, it's like that double checking. So that's where that gets in the way of that where I know what it is but I just want to make sure that I see you wrote me and then your thing underneath said Brian. And so I know that I got the right spelling.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just hit on so much good stuff and it, it reminds me that we're very, we're also very different. I, I could have, I, I started coaching when I was 16 I coached roller hockey and basketball and I coached like I was maybe a sophomore or junior and they were in eighth grade or seventh grade. I loved coaching uh, the coaching that you do. Now I do different type of coaching, but all right. So, I have a book coming out in October and it's called shift your mind. And the idea is that your mindset for preparation is different than your mindset for performance. And so often we just say, Oh, be humble or be this, or, you know, be selfless and all this sort of stuff. And my mind is like, no, you actually need different things in preparation and performance. So in preparation, be perfectionistic, but in performance, be adaptable. And to your point, like I think about the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Philly Philly and running a play where you're going to, Throw the ball to your quarterback. Like, what happened with that was uh, not Carson Wentz. What's the other quarterback? Uh, um, gosh, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, of
1: Nick Foles. So, Nick Foles. So, want, it's mic'd up. It's amazing. You should go back and watch it if you haven't. I don't know if you're still have a Philly Eagles. I'm uh, more, I ended
0: up growing up in Arizona. Houston. I was in Houston a lot. So, Houston, Texas. So, I end up being an Astros and Oilers fan back in the day. But go ahead. No, I'm, yeah. But,
1: you know, uh, Foles comes to the sideline and goes to his coach Doug Peterson. Hey, do you want to run Philly, Philly? And Peterson looks up, is like, Yeah, let's do it. He trusts his instincts in those moment. So, like. Use analysis and preparation. Use instincts and performance. Use perfectionism in preparation. Use adaptability and performance. Be humble in preparation. Have a little inner arrogance in performance. Be selfish in preparation, right? I bet when you're in college and your boys are all out drinking and having fun, you're in the gym being selfish, taking care of what you want to do to get to where you want to go. But when the game starts, you need to be selfless and do whatever it takes to help the team win. And so we say selfish is bad, but it's not necessarily bad. And so, so I, I, just hear you talking about these. Fr- this is a framework for me, and. and- this is what I've really just become obsessed with because too often we say be one way, but we actually need a little bit of both and we need an and instead of an or. Um, so I just think it's important and to me a great practice involves both the preparation mind and the performance mind, right? Let's put ourselves in time and score so we know what it's like to perform, and right. let's get our footwork to be exactly what they need to be. So I, I think your preparation mind has probably gotten you really, really far. Um, you know, and there, I have so many examples of, of the shift that needs to take place. And I think the best teams and the best players do that. And then discipline wise, the other thing that I thought you were going to mention is you still no drinking alcohol?
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I've never, I've never had a sip of alcohol. I've never had a sip of carbonation. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't have, you know, I never had like a Coca-Cola, you know, Sprite, anything like that. I've never had carbonation, never had a sip of alcohol, never had a sip of coffee, um, and, and not for, you know, I'm Jewish and and this wasn't, it's not, I didn't do that for any religious reasons. It was just, it was just, um, I just, my parents never gave it to me when I was young. And as I grew up older, you know, for the, for like, for example, Coke or carbonation, I would say that's a pretty cool fact to say that I've never had a sip of carbonation or a soda. And, when did uh,
1: you decide that?
0: You know, I, 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 remember just, you know, in my probably fourth fifth sixth seventh grade around I just never grew up they never gave it to me and I just said I just said, hey, I'm going to keep doing this because it's it's a pretty cool I just said it's a pretty cool neat fact to say I've never had a soda and again most people first thing they say ask is it a, is that a real is it something religious wise I said no it's just more just that's what I just they never gave it to me and I thought it was a neat fact but but I, I, I've never had a sip of alcohol and 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 I really you know I've I've um, I've tried to do a lot in in you know um, even when I was younger and especially when I was at the University of Arizona in Tucson I was I, I you know just uh, uh, you know with because you know with alcohol there's a I mean look you hear doctors they say you know a glass of wine a day is good for the heart and and look and, and if you're responsible about it um, you got to, you know that's the most important thing is being responsible but you know there's a lot of tragic deaths that have happened in a in a vehicle based on drinking and driving and um, and so, uh, I was always trying to make sure that, you know, and I'm glad now with Uber and Lyft and all those type of things, ride share programs, you know, there's opportunities now, and maybe it wasn't like that always back in the day that you can, if you are out somewhere and having this, you know, some alcohol, make sure that you have a designated driver, but that's just been, been me. And, and, and to your point, Brian, you got, you made a great point earlier about use the word selfish. I have told our team in the summer. And I, and, I, and I know this sounds strange I say for, for working with the team, but I've always said, our, I says, guys, in the su- spring and summer, I, every, I want you to be selfish. And when, I tell, when they look at me, because all during the year I'm talking team, 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 fall and this winter during the spring, team, team, team. You know, But in the spring, after our season and the summer, I want you to be selfish because I, I want you to be selfish working on your game. I want you to get better how can we're going to focus our coaching staff is going to focus on you and only you. Yes. We have 12 scholarship guys, but we're going to work on each individual, but our focus is, is you as an individual. And I want you to really be selfish. And so I agree with that. You can use that word in the right way. Cause you know, a lot of times it gets, it's a negative connotation, but sometimes in a situation like that, an individual does need to be selfish to get themselves better and to focus on themselves. And maybe it's just a focus on themselves, Brian, on getting their life in order with priorities. And they've got to be selfish by saying, hey, I got to stay away from this. I got to cut this loose so I can really be selfish and focus on this so I can get to where I need to get to. And so there's different ways to, 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 to look at that. And, and you make really good points um, about that. So we talk about that, about some, the spring and summer, about being selfish as an individual.
1: When you're playing at University of Arizona, big time basketball with a legendary coach in Lute Olsen, did you ever struggle to connect with your teammates because you're not drinking? You're you're on this, you know. You're graduating two and a half years. I think I read you took 33 credits.
0: You know, One semester. Yeah. Like
1: I mean, when I was in college, I would have looked at you and been like, "Dude, relax. Like, yeah. chill, man. Like, you're 18, 19 years old. Like." Yeah, you know, have a beer or yeah. you know sleep in. I like, I don't even want to talk about your sleeping habits, which we we might have to get to at some point. But were you did you ever was there any downside to that when you were in college?
0: Well, you know what I remember I was and, and thankfully I had great teammates at the University of Arizona. But I, I remember my first one of the first days there. I I remember my freshman year. I got we were all playing in, in the evening. We were playing a pickup, and I had the guys together. I said, guys. And this is just me being naive. When I look back, I was like, what was I thinking to even do? Like, how did I get the courage to even say this? Like I was like, I was really oblivious. You know what I mean? You're just sometimes, and I says, guys, we're going to win the national championship this year, but the only way we're going to do it, we've got to outwork every team. And we're going to have to be in the gym Monday through Sunday, seven nights a week. We've got to be in here all the time. And I'm thinking, and they're looking at me like who, you know, I mean, these guys. I mean, there's future lottery, and, and I'm I'm surprised no one like just didn't deck me. You know what I mean? Like, here's this freshman, and I'm thinking to myself when I look. I remember I did that, and I look and I look back, and I was like, I was so oblivious. But the guys bought into it, and 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 I always tell people we'd be in the gym all the time. I always tell people I'm the leading rebounder in the history of the University of Arizona because I rebounded so much in the evening for the guys working guys out and doing different things. But um, so that was really cool. But but, um, you know, it, Coach Olson, as you mentioned, who's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, one of the great coaches ever to coach, um, uh, I, I was so fortunate to be around him. You know, I was around two guys in the Hall of Fame, in, in Lute Olson and then John Calipari. And, and as you said, like you and I are, there's many similarities, there's many differences. Same thing with Lute Olson and John Calipari. People ask me, what are the similarities? And diff- or what's the-? I said, they both have the end result the same. They've won championships. They're both in the Basketball Hall of Fames. But they have so many similarities, but man, they are so different in so many ways. And what you realize, there's not just one way to always um, uh, uh, skin a cat in a sense or to do something. And you make up another good point. I want to pick up on what you said earlier. And, and you also brought this about prior offline as well, too, that, you know, people, you just throw words out there. You know, hey, be, you know, be hungry, be humble. You know, be, don't be selfish. Culture. And you know what? And it's easy to say that. Um, but it's almost like you have to have an action plan behind you. And everyone who in sports, do you not talk about the word culture? I didn't understand culture until I actually became a head coach and understand how much it affects everything with, with success. And, and, but, but actually having a feeling of what it's about and and understanding it. And so being able to have words or slogans are important and they're well and they're good and you can put them in the locker room, but there's got to be action plans behind it. Otherwise it just becomes very hollow. And And you make a good point on that, that things can just be said and everybody can say it, but what does it really mean? So people feel it, touch it, define it. There's clarity and then there's follow through with it as well
1: we're going to come back to these three principles, but just on discipline, I love Jocko Willick who says discipline is freedom. And you said something that everybody wants discipline as somebody who I would not say discipline is my calling card. Like I, you know, exercise eating. um, I have to work really hard to get, to get those going. And I think I've done pretty well in life by playing and, and finding a way and being determined. But the older I get, the more I actually value the discipline. And to me, the way I define discipline is just focused habits. Like, where That's are my definitely. focused habits? And you take habits and focus and you blend them together, and then there's discipline. And a lot of people don't like the word discipline. They think of being disciplined, um, and then they think of like being forced to do something. But I'll tell you, if I'm eating a pizza, I don't want to eat the fourth slice of pizza. Like I don't want to, but I often do because of the pleasure in the moment. Of course. And but 30 minutes later, I am mad at myself for eating the pizza. Right. Something that I've been talking a lot about, I've actually been coached on this is what I actually want in that moment is to eat two slices and be done. Uh, Like that is actually what I want. Yet my brain and my body are saying that I want four. And so to me, discipline is the freedom to have the focused habits to make the choices to help you get from where you are to where you want to go and i've changed my whole perspective on discipline because i used to think it was somebody forcing me to do something that i didn't want to do and i don't think that's what discipline is
0: well well you know what uh, you make a great point in using food as an example i mean I, anyone knows me i love if anyone comes out to eat with me Brian if you're in Atlanta next time and I take you out to, I mean you should see what I, I order I mean I'm just this huge order and I love to eat I love food but it's very to your point it's like okay there's a snack I'm hungry and there's an apple and there's potato chips and the, pow, the 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 back and forth in your mind which one do I go for you know do I eat the apple which is healthier do I go for the chips but and and you're playing it's like a, it's like an inner fight inside your mind and to your point like I love pizza Man, I I can eat so much pizza but you're right man I just know I should just have two slices and stop. I'm fine. I don't need any more after that. But you're that inner fight but then you 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 want that third and you get that fourth and and then later on at night you're like why did I eat all that pizza? And so um and 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 and, and here's a great example about discipline. This is really interesting I I have found. Prior to COVID-19, okay? So like Georgia Tech and most institutes, university schools got shut down in mid-March where everything went to online. No more in-classroom instruction. you know how many of our guys were like, man, coach, this is awesome, I'm, this. I'm, can we do this? Like, this is, I love this. Ryan, I can't tell you how many of our guys call me daily and are like, after like a month and a half, too, are like, coach, man, I, we need to go back into the classroom. Like, coach, I will never miss another class. You will never hear me complain about the class like they want the structure of in a classroom learning they want to be in study hall they have told me it's actually harder being online at home and just cuz you can just kind of let things go you sleep through the day and they were and it's amazing that now they're saying coach man we want that discipline we want to be in class during the days it's no different than my own daughters like they, they were way more and it's, and I blame this on me they were more productive when they had a routine to get up at six thirty in the morning to make sure they're at school by seven fifteen. Whereas when they're online, class starts at eight. They could sleep to eight. They can come down in their pajamas. That's my fault for allowing that. But that's my point of the discipline part, and 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 people want it. And when you don't have it, they're like, "Coach, I want to get it back." And I don't know if you felt if you see that or feel that.
1: When did you develop the three principles? When did that come clear for you?
0: You know what I interesting you say that be asked that because you know i had so many things in my mind and when i and and we had a um a a, actually a navy seal who was part of uh we we here at georgia tech had um they had this thing called the program and there's this different uh you know former military uh individuals who are very high levels of special forces and they come and do some things with your team and 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 man, I had all these slogans. Like I remember when I was, when I was, when I was um, at, in the university of Arizona, I was heavily involved with the Naval Special Warfare Foundation, which was, which was benefiting um, uh, widows of Navy SEALs who lost their lives in the line of duty. And, and I actually got, I was very fortunate. They, went I got to go in San Diego to one of their base, their, their thing there where they train. And I go in and all these different signs and pictures and slow. I mean, there's tons of things. And I was like, man, when I get, when I get a head job, my pictures, I want a locker room just like that. I mean, all these things. And I did that when I was at Memphis. I had so many sayings and slogans. And and so anyway, so I get to a um, – I'm at Georgia Tech, and I have all these ideas spinning. The guy says, you know, you, all your things are good, but, man, you got to dummy it down into where it's like reality. And you have so many different things. You need to get about three, maybe not even four, but just about three core values and just stick to that. And, and I never thought it like that. And you know, Brian, because your mind's racing, you're thinking. Man, I saw that's a great quote. Let me put that up. Oh, here's another good quote. I want to, add, you know, add that. And so that's kind of, and, and I had to take some time, and he helped me formulate that. And I, through self-reflection and thinking and spending time and writing things out, I realized that those three things superseded, which for me was most important to me of our what I looked at that I believed have a chance to have success. That could go into whether it's on or off the floor, because whether it's in life after basketball, within a game, those three things could be all you know put into place, no matter which area of life that you're dealing with.
1: So was that like six, six, seven years ago? What, what that was,
0: was that? it. Was sort of when I got to Georgia Tech. It was right at yep. It was at when I was a time I was at Georgia Tech, and um, that's and and I look back, and 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 I I loved my time at Memphis. I was the head coach there for seven years. Like I said, I was an assistant with Coach Calipari, and, and 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 I was a head coach there for seven years, and we won a lot of games. And I look back, man, I I wish I knew what I knew now, or what I, you know, that, that during my time at Memphis. And I guess I tell people, I guess it shows that I've I've had growth because if I by saying I wish if I what I knew now I could have it, have it then I would have even won more. How? Uh, so,
1: what, what? What? would you have done differently?
0: Well, you know, like for a couple things, I I I, I was. I, I kept changing systems and offenses, and every year, you know what I mean. I was just I I didn't keep it as consistent as needed to be within maybe the strategy of X and those. I had all kinds of sayings and slogans all over the, you know, all over the the gym and in the locker room instead of just focusing on on a on a on a more simpler uh, a term and just coming up with three. I mean, and I look back and 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 I've I've learned about wearing more loose fit. I call, like you said, being able instead of having or using the word and I call it same thing wearing loose fit clothing in a sense and I you know me under growing in that area and we won a lot and and thank god we had really good players and good staff who saved me uh but but uh um you know I, I we could even we could have even won more if I was better in my position as a head coach and yes we did a lot of good things and I felt I did a lot of good things but part of self-reflecting, you look back, and and look, I got the job at 31. I was thrust into the, I was following John Calipari, who the previous four years had almost won 95% of his games. The reason I got the job at Memphis, Brian, is because I was the last man standing. Nobody wanted the job. Now, they all wanted maybe to follow me, but they did not want to follow John Calipari. And so here I am taking over this job at 31. And you know, Brian, most for, for coaches your, your first jobs at a smaller school so you can make some mistakes no one's gonna know anything about it at Memphis everything was just under the the, the microscope the scrutiny and so I was kind of living and learning and going as and and as you're moving and 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 so that was a it was an incredible experience for me um, it was sort of like what you had mentioned again prior to, to getting on here just about your thing with sale selling and the different things and you're being told no and you had to kind of figure it out um and and that's kind of what you had to do you had to figure it out and 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 sometimes you figure it out and it's too late I was fortunate I was able to figure it out and 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 that's why I said thankful I had great players that was able to and a great staff to help me along the way
1: I think coach Cal was the head coach at UMass at a really young age as well yes what advice did he give to you when you took over
0: you know, um, it was interesting. He took over UMass. It was a massive rebuild. And um, um, I, I used to tell this about John Calipari. People ask me, like, what's it, what was it like working for John Calipari? Well, two things I said. I said, one, the guy that follows him is a crazy man. You don't want to follow this. And I was obviously the crazy man. But the second thing I said, the guy is he, his business mind, his marketing skills. I said, here's the best way I could describe him. If he opened up a pizza place right there in the corner, it would be he would become a millionaire. I mean, uh, you know, he just he that piece, that little pizza shop would be so successful. He could take over any basketball program and build it to an elite situation, and that's kind of what makes him so elite. Yes, he's a great basketball coach, but he but as you mentioned, being a basketball coach at at, at the highest level is really you're a CEO, and um, and so his ability to market his energy level, his business um, uh, IQ, just understanding things. But his best advice to me um, and and me understanding it and watching him just was his energy level of what he brought every day and how he was – like I think he's the best – there's two things he's the best at, and he's in the Hall of Fame, so his his record speaks for himself. It's incredible when there's chaos, how he's able – like – Ryan, I like everything being just, you know, simple, boom, boom, organized, da, 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 you know, all I's dotted, T's crossed. And when there's chaotic, he's unbelievable. He is incredible. Where Coach Olson was the other way. He was like anything. He could not, he, he wanted everything to be just minute by coach. And so it's two different ways, but they both. And the second thing I would say is, um, you know, his ability to connect with people and the relationships and and how he's able to do that um you know, was just his, his love for his guys and it was a great it was a great great thing to see just from a from a from a young person and a, and a, and a coach in the profession to see how he does it
1: i got to spend a day with him at kentucky and um <laughs> i fly out there and you'll know you will this will sound familiar i fly out there land get in my hotel and i'm thinking I hadn't heard back from him as far as when we're gonna meet the next day. Um, you know, I set my alarm for like five a.m. Just like I'm not missing if he texts, whatever. So finally, it's like six thirty. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go shower. And when I showered, I think I missed a call or from him. And of course, it was to meet him at Dunkin' Donuts for for a yep. coffee. Um, but we, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I gotta go over there. And I run over, and and we spend some time together at Dunkin' Donuts, and to your point first of all anyone that i know that has spent time with him loves him like his players love him yep. uh i've interviewed players at the nba combine that have played for him and they they feel like he genuinely cares about them yep. and then like he pick up the phone and call, make calls for me at dunkin donuts yep. and then i spent time with him and he was coaching the dominican national team at the time and he's in the room with del harris legendary basketball coach yep. A couple other NBA coaches are on staff as well. But I'm in the office, and I'm sitting with the two of them, these two legendary coaches, and they're trying to figure out what's motivating one of their players and how do they motivate them. And they turn to me, and they ask me. And at the time, I was probably 28, 29, I don't know. Uh, and they asked me my opinion, and I sort of gave my thoughts. And he was like, oh, that's really interesting. So I, I think a lot of people just see – the the marketing side to him the sales side of him the nice suits the 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 way he talks and they miss a lot of the other pieces that are i think what probably separates him from from a lot of no he,
0: he he he's elite i mean he he could take over any program in the united states of america and have it in the top five in the country and 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 you know people say well yeah he's got great players yeah he does have great players but you got to go get recruit those players and they got to believe in you. And, and, and he's just, some people have that ability, Brian, to, to attract that, you know what I mean? And, and then, and then I always tell people coaching a lot of great players is actually harder than not coaching. A lot of great players. It's actually easier to coach less talent because, Hey man, like this is our only way of success. Like we have to be, where's the great player. Cause everyone's a lot of times, those great players are thinking about, the name on their back of their jersey because they want to get you know they're thinking about their goals because they know they have a realistic shot so for him to be able to mold that together is not easy to do and i i i, I can't express how much um you know how hard that is and and that's why he deserves so much praise and credit
1: we're both on board with the power of and and polarity is what i call it and the idea of buying in and individual success. And I think he's nailed it. Like, hey, I'm going to help you get to where you want to go to. If you want to get there, the best way for you to do it is to follow Michael Gilchrist and Anthony Davis and all these other guys that have bought into what I want them to do. Yeah, Uh, So it's brilliant. Josh, I want to just wind down with you. Um, You mentioned some of the decisions you make discipline-wise. I also know you don't curse. Um, So there are all these intentional things that you do meditation is that something as you've tried to become more present is that something that you've practiced done or experimented with
0: you know uh, and and to pick up on the cursing thing i've been a head coach now i've completed my 11th year and um, i have not cursed Uh, i don't allow my players to curse i mean obviously things slip out but usually i I put them to the to the line um, or to our strength coach to have a quick 30 second uh, uh, reminder that we're not cursing because i think i think it takes great discipline uh, to not curse. And, and let me just say this, there are so many great coaches out there that have, that use a lot of curse words that have won a lot more games than, than myself. So I'm not saying at all that that's the right way or not. I just, it's, it's weird. Again, I kind of cringe when I'm around a conversation and there's a lot of cursing going around. I, I I'm just not comfortable. i mean, that's not my style and nothing wrong with that it doesn't mean that there's anything. I'm that's just not who I am. And so, um, and so for, being a part of the head coach, that's a great thing. You can, you can kind of set that this is important to me that I want our, like I've always told, I want our practices to be G-rated. I want women and children to be able to come to our practice and sit behind our bench in our huddle or in a practice and, 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 and not ever have to put their, their earmuffs on in a sense. And so that's important to me. Uh, um, so um, I, I'm proud of, and, I'm, and our staff has, has great buy and our players and it takes a little time. And you know, what's interesting when players leave, they really, they, they they understand, they appreciate that because it's another like when you miss a shot or you throw a turnover or you get to, it's easy to start throwing out, you know, you get so frustrated and start using vulgar language. It takes discipline to, to not say those certain words. And, um, and, and it, but it, it takes over time to really, as you mentioned from the beginning part on the habit part of that. But the second part is on meditation. I think it's so important to meditate. I have not gotten into it because it's, it's hard for me just to sit still. It's been really, really, I've tried it and I've just not been able to do it. Um, I would love to do it. I just, am not able to do it. And, and I shouldn't say I'm not able to do it. I, I don't, I don't put the the, the fourth, I don't put forth the effort to really get it done. And, um, um, I, but I think it's a very powerful tool. I think it's very positive. I think it promotes stillness. I think it promotes clarity. It promotes health. Um, there's so many good things with it. I just have not been able to get into it. Uh, just like with yoga, I have like, like I can't do yoga unless it's hot yoga and it's burning. Cause I got to feel like I've just sweat, just something with my mind. Otherwise I don't feel like I've let go of my energy. So those are things that I think it's so beneficial. I just need to, I haven't done a good job putting the effort in it.
1: It's interesting because there's plenty of people that meditate who curse, drink, uh, have other areas that they're looking at you. Like how can you possibly have the discipline to do that? So maybe we found some, some vices there. Um, for me, one of the big things is just embracing mindfulness. And so I like to make a distinction between mindfulness and meditation. To me, mindfulness is noticing and observing our thoughts without judgment. And meditation is the practice of mindfulness. And so uh, like I've talked to a lot of people about this is if meditation isn't your thing, which a lot of people, it's not their thing. Um, you know, maybe you can just focus on mindfulness. And I think the fact of your awareness on decisions that you make and how you're being intentional, I think is an act of mindfulness. Like the ability to not just react with a curse word when you miss a shot, but actually sort of sit with that or move on to the next play or whatever you want to do um, is an act of mindfulness. So. Well, um, Brian, yeah.
0: and, 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 and not to cut you off, but you're so right because um, uh, when I was at Memphis, there was a guy there that actually brought to our team, his name is Greg Graber at the time, brought to our team about mindfulness. He had, had brought. But, 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 but it's interesting you say about, about that, being in the, in, in the moment, being mindfulness. You know, um, it, basketball, when you're coaching, and even if you're coaching your little kids, and you know this, it does, I, there's so much energy in basketball. And then all of a sudden, the game's over, you win, you lose. The energy, it's incredible. The, I can't, I, I can't exp, um, put an put a actual word on it, but I, I use the word energy a lot, because I believe life's all about energy. Everything's about energy and, and man, the game's over. You win on a buzzer shot, you lose by three, the the emotion, the energy. And what happens is, is people make mistakes during how many times have, have you seen it in sports where people say or do things right after a game? There's so much energy. And, and because probably at that time they weren't, it's, and again, it's easier said than done but the mindfulness part of being very aware of, of how things can, you know, because you can yell at someone after a game, you're all upset, and then you wake up the next morning, you're like, you just don't feel, you're like, why did I do that? And I don't, one of the greatest pieces of advice I've gotten, and I know this sounds so elementary, some, before you make a decision, sleep on it. And, and sometimes, you know, you just feel, de- before you send that email, as mad as you are, sleep on it. And I'm telling you that before you hit that send button on the Twitter, sleep on it. And, um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I just, I, I think that's a great, I've I've gotten that and I, I think it's a great piece of advice and usually people feel differently in the morning than they did the evening before when, when you're dealing with something, there's so much energy, emotion, intensity, you, you have a different feel or thought process the next morning.
1: I love the idea of playing with emotion, but not being emotional. And I think that's
0: a great way. Yep.
1: Coaches are often more inclined to want the player that's even keel and stoic. And while I appreciate that, some of our best players of all time, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Garnett, you know, Pick your player. Like play with emotion and passion. Yeah. And yeah. for me, like I'm, we talked about this high motor. If you're going to recruit high motor, passionate people, you better allow them to play with some emotion. Absolutely. But when they become emotional and the decision making goes down, um, that's when it can be problematic. So I think all of us high energy, high motor people have to learn how to create discipline and um, also to make sure that we're leveraging the emotion and and learning how to notice and observe it, and then understand when there's a thought or feeling that's not necessarily serving us and just accept it and then shift our attention to either our self-talk or our body language to get us to be where we want to be. Josh, this has been a blast. We could go for another hour, I'm sure, but um, I'm going to cut us off here. If people want to learn more about what you're up to with Georgia Tech basketball or yourself, or if there's anything you're passionate about, I just want to give you an opportunity to promote whatever it is that, that you want to promote.
0: You know what? I, I, and, and here's, I, I've said this to, I've done coaching clinics and, and um, I've always told people, you know, in the basketball world, if you're a coach, like if any idea or like if you see an offense or a defense out there that's outside the box, that's, that's, that's very unique, send it to me. I'm going to give you my email in a second. And it's the same thing if somebody who's not a coach if you have an idea, a thought, a suggestion that's a that's not that's that could really you know either help me as a but it also help our program or anything you think of or that's that's different, that's unique, that's staying ahead of the curve in a sense, um, that's keeping things fresh. Please reach to me, and I'll give you my email. I respond to everybody. If you send me an email and I don't respond, you didn't send it to the right person. But my email is very simple. It's J. Pastner J P A S T N E R J Pastner at athletics a t h l e t i c s dot g a tech g a t e c h dot edu and if you don't get all that you can go to the website of Georgia Tech and guess what my email's on there it's not my assistants or my administrative it's my personal emails on there so Please email me anytime of any thoughts, ideas, suggestions, anything unique that you thought would be that would be good, whether it's basketball or, or non-basketball wise.
1: I can vouch for it because I was on a call with Josh, thanks to Brandon Chambers, who we should give a shout out to, and Brandon's done an amazing job of bringing together a lot of different coaches to share ideas, which is something I've been passionate about for a while, and uh, just excited to see it and. Josh gave his email out, and I followed up with him, and here we are having this conversation. Um, but don't spell his name wrong. Make sure you spell his name right. Is I think something that we we learned today. Uh, I'm a big Twitter guy, so I'm on Twitter at Brian Levinson. Uh, and if you're interested in more of these conversations, you can go to intentionalperformers.com. Josh, looking forward to continuing to get to know you and watching what you do, and uh, wishing you all the best on hopefully an upcoming season. And um, looking forward to just continuing the conversation and seeing where 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 you take things.
0: Brian, thanks for having me. And anyone out there, I, I would and give you a shout out. You, you know, from talking to you prior and and during the interview, I would recommend people to 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 hear what you have to say and what you do because uh, you're ahead of the curve and you're really really good and you're really sharp and and um, uh, you're you're going to be heard about for a long time in the, in the in the world of just the world of everything. So uh, I, I was really grateful and happy to be on with you.
1: I appreciate it. Take care, Coach. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson. Here is this week's episode jam. I have told
0: our team in the summer and I and I and I know this sounds strange. I say, for for working with the team, but I've always said our I says, guys in the su- spring and summer, I every, I want you to be selfish. And when I tell when they look at me cuz all during the year I'm talking team 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 fall and, and this winter during the spring team team team, you know, but in the spring, after our season and the summer, I want you to be selfish. Because I, I want you to be selfish working on your game. I want you to get better. How can, we're going to focus, our coaching staff is going to focus on you and only you. Yes, we have 12 scholarship guys, but we're going to work on each individual. But our focus is, is you as an individual, and I want you to really be selfish.